Uh, so you guys broke up making another record, and yeah, uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you read somewhere that those there's actual recordings out there that haven't been released. What exactly happened, and is it is there stuff out there that could still be released at some point? Um, yeah, we uh, we talked about um, we talked about addressing them again there's a couple songs that were uh that, that we don't, there's not a record that well i mean i guess it could be a record you could look at it like that because our first record boys life was something that we just recorded on our own that they licensed mm -hmm. that uh, campfire girls and and boys life licensed and um after um cheer up um, we were always very busy norm kept us super busy it's like we just got off the road there's no time i always felt like we were like dreading for water in the ocean you know it's like fucking keep swimming it's like do you can't just take a break it's like no no keep swimming like, he kept us just on it i mean it was i mean i had to sneak i had to lie to go to san francisco to just get tattooed by you know daniel higgs and eddie deutsch and ed hardy you know i had to go man i'm going to see my girl's parents up there because i i rehearsal was just it was like you can't miss thursday's rehearsal you know and i'm like but i yeah. have a lot of time to family so yeah. it was just always always like that. So basically, um, as soon as we were done with um, the, the that final tour, um, which was probably um, the Smash Mouth thing and um, Atlantic, we probably went in and um, started recording again because we we're always writing. And um, so there is probably seven songs, six songs that we recorded at that time that we were demoing that would uh, would have become um, potentials for a new record. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say three of them are um, great and we're moving forward for sure. I mm -hmm. think that a couple of them were um, sort of lost. Um, uh, you know, as you do when you're writing, you know, you write a couple songs, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's not going to happen, that's not going to happen. But there was a couple songs that were very moving forward for us. I was getting really into keyboards. Um, keyboards were becoming far more um, predominant in, um, I don't know if that's the right word, in what we were um, doing um, as far as the sound. So uh, the verse, instead of being just a layer of guitar, it was a, just a massive layer of keyboards. And then mm -hmm. I would back off and, and do this huge pop chorus and then go back to the um, uh, keyboard for uh, for the verse again. And kind of, and, you know, and I played keyboard like I played guitar. I didn't know how, but I could make it sound kind of cool. And so, and that was, a, a, that, that felt like a very moving forward um, thing. It was like the next, mm -hmm. the next step. And there was like, three songs that were like that that I thought that were really good. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know what was your question was, can that stuff be released? Could well, it? I mean, yeah, yeah. Have you thought about it? And then what happened? Why'd you guys break up? Um, you know, we, we had a, we had a very, you know, we, we kind of spoke about all the, the sort of fun stuff, but amongst, in that, through the life of the band, there was, there was a lot of uh, turmoil. I mean, uh, I fist fought with Michelangelo a number of times. Um, 
living in that house with him. We were just in each other's space for too long. Uh, we'd get out of a van and then get into a house. His girlfriend lived right in the room. My girlfriend lived in the room. Norm's girlfriend lived in the room. I mean, we were all just all we had was this van. And um, so we fought a number of times over the years. And I remember, like halfway through our career, um, I guess you could call it, um, <clears throat> we got in this tremendous fight, and uh, we just. It was like a Tasmanian devil walked in the room. Michael and I got wrapped up in each other, and you know he threw my echoplex on the floor, and you know and smashed it, and I just went ballistic and went after him, and we ended up like just going through Norm's drum set and destroying his drum set as we were wrestling with each other. And um, Norm is sort of the dorky uncoordinated guy but he's really strong because he plays drums all the time yeah. and yeah. uh and he jumps on top of me and he's holding me down and, and i'm looking i'm going i'm gonna fucking kill you when i get up man and uh you know but he's literally holding me down i couldn't get up no but i scared him you know he's yeah. like shit i better go you know and uh so he lets me he's like you're not gonna you're gonna leave him alone right and he let me go and we walk out of the room, and Angelo's so just like, I quit, you know, it's over, I quit this band. And uh, <clears throat> I walk in, uh, you know, he runs through the house. And he, I was always in the car. He takes a, uh, he takes a vacuum cleaner and, and, and smashes it through the front window. Because in the house, we had a garage, and I used it as a shop. I built an old Chevelle and a 56 Ford F100 with a 500 Caddy in it. He takes the vacuum cleaner and puts it through the front windshield of my my big window, 56 F100. Oh and uh, I mean, I'm just, you know, and this is just, just and, and tears the refrigerator to pieces, you know. And Norm is just looking at me going, what the fuck is wrong with you guys, man? What are you doing? And this was in the middle of our career. And so, you know, and, and then Michael's like, I quit. And he leaves the house. I chase him away because he just smashed up my my uh, truck. And um, we end up uh, back in the house. He comes back in the house, and I walk in his room, and uh, I go, uh, I go, hey man, you really want to break up the band? And uh, he goes, yeah. And I go, listen, you know, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. And uh, you know, you know, you know, whatever. And I don't want to break up. And uh, like just fucking bunch of girls, right? And uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes, me neither. And I think the reason that we broke up is because the same thing happened seven years later. It was nowhere near as dramatic, but I didn't go get him. Yeah. And I didn't tell him, stop. Don't leave, man. Yeah. You know, we can't stop. And, you know, we were tired. I felt like I was swimming for fighting for air the entire relationship. We hadn't got a lot of um, payback. Not that that mattered, because um, it never did. But, you know, it was tiring. You know, it was just yeah. exhausting. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, Really, I don't care if I'm on the radio today. I just want to be playing great music. And mm -hmm. um, and at that moment, I looked at them and I wanted to take a break, you know, 
just for five minutes. I wanted to be able to go get a tattoo without telling a lie. And, um, you know, that it just, it didn't happen. You know, Michael said, fine, you know, then it's over. And uh, Norm didn't say anything and they both walked out. I mean, we used to, at that moment, we were rehearsing in my loft and uh, it was kind of the beginnings of my shop. It was a big downtown loft. And, you know, I didn't stop him because I really wanted a break. And, uh, you know, that was it. Um, you know, I uh, I went in and said I was sorry the other time, but this time I didn't stop him, and, and uh, he just went. Um, I know that they tried to play with another guitar player who is far better guitar player than I am, but it wasn't the three of us, you know. Right. And it didn't it didn't sound the same, and I found out now that it didn't uh, didn't work. I mean, they played with Kirk Haley from uh, Pink Noise Test, and. He's a great My Bloody Valentine, really uh, prolific guitar player that could do anything, you know? And uh, he was one of our sister kind of bandmates through all this time and always been a close friend of Norm's. And uh, so they they played with him for a little bit, but and I'm really surprised it didn't go anywhere. It would have probably sounded killer and I would have regretted wanting to take a break, but yeah. it didn't happen. Michael got busy doing... Uh, what he does now, production and film, and I, uh, on that break, I started another uh, rock and roll band. I got tired of playing with all my pedals and being wrapped up in amplifiers, and I just wanted to be in ACDC uh, yeah. for a minute, and uh, <laughs> I, I started in a band that just, I just plugged straight into my Marshall and had a wall, you know? Yeah. And, um, but it had to be liberating. It way. was it was it was it was horrible. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, just the, the the honest truth is, it was great. I got another publishing deal, blah blah blah. But in hindsight, in comparison, it was horrible. It didn't have Michael. It didn't have Norm. You know, I was writing everything. I was telling everybody what to do. It was fucking horrible. You know, it was. Yeah. I needed the two guys that carried their own weight that were going to push me to be a better guitar player and push me to the edge of the diving board and go, you're standing there all by yourself. Everybody's going to look at you screaming into the guitar. What are you going to mm -hmm. do now? Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't have that in the other band. And, you know, I quickly missed, uh, you know, missed it. I mean, I did some studio work after that, you know, touring. Um, I became friends with Duff McKagan because I was fixing his guitar. I worked on a solo record. It was just all just really stupid shit that I traded. I traded for Plexi. And I'm not saying it was all my fault, but it was the reason I didn't go grab him by the arm and tell him not to leave, you know? Hmm. Um, so you've been kind of still active musically, right? I mean... Is the is the last thing you did was um, was the stuff with Duff McKagan, or have you done anything since then? Um, I, I did the stuff with Duff McKagan. I started a, a band with uh, the worst thing you can do with my girlfriend. Uh, uh -oh. she kind of yeah, she <laughs> she's a Bon Scott. I came after uh, Duff McKagan. We never released anything. We got some music and soundtracks and. We did really good. We actually made some pretty good money. Um, mm -hmm. We started a clothing company. We did really well, actually, financially. So 
it, uh, it took care of me at the time. Uh, I finally just got so upset that she wasn't like Michael and Norm, that she just needed me to hold her hand and kind of like really push her to be a musician, be a star. And I didn't have to push Michael. My, Michael just was a star. I mean, I right. think that being a rock, I think that being a rock and roll star doesn't mean that you're on a billboard or that, you know, you, you're you're um, Jimmy Page or I, I think you're just you're born a rock and roll star. You know, you, you it just it oozes out of you, and I felt that for Michael and Norm, and um, they worked hard for it. They always worked hard. She didn't do that, so I inevitably after a while, I just I quit. I couldn't do it anymore, and. Um, I landed a gig touring um, with Mark Lanigan um, from Screaming Trees, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I toured uh, Bubblegum with him, and, you know, that was, I was like, finally, you know, finally, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm doing something, and then uh, that ended uh, pretty rough because it just led me back into uh, drugs and partying again, and I just, I just came home from two tours and I just surrendered. I just, I, like, I can't do this anymore, you know. And uh, I just stopped. Um, I sold all my, all my. Uh, I mean, I called up the local guitar hot dude, uh, the Chud King, Ricky Muller, and I said, "Come get it, come get it all. Here's the '57 Les Paul. Here's the Marshall. Here's the Twin." And uh, I sold it all to him. I kept the keyboard, and the Echoplex, and the Strat and all my pedals and I, 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 I didn't want to sell them so I went and hawked them and uh, so, so Lanigan was the last thing that I did and um, and then I uh, I was lost I didn't know what to do I was recovering from a pretty bad trip and uh, I had a clothing company with the girl we had split up and I, uh, I just was lost I didn't know what to do and um, one of my friends looked at me and said, man, why don't you uh, open up a motorcycle shop? And I was like, you know, open up a motorcycle shop? And he's like, dude, you already have one. And right. the truth of the matter is, Michael put a vacuum cleaner through the front of an F-100 that I was building back when we were doing those records. I had a 66 Chevelle. While we were on the road, I was building Harleys. I had, you know, clients that would wait for me in between tours. I wouldn't go work at a coffee shop. I'd come finish um, working on a Harley. I mean, I remember Marky from Zeke, you know, asking me to come over and help him tune his, you know, four-barrel carburetor. And I would laugh because, you know, I'm like, dude, you got all the cool songs about cars, you know? And my, you know, and my band's the one that doesn't fit in. And you're asking to do with makeup to come over and help you fix your car, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, uh, but, you know, so I started doing that and, um, I build bikes now. Um, and I have a, I have a company, um, where I build motorcycles and I try and do it like I'm in a band. Um, right. each one of them are kind of songs and I try and create a fan base that wants apparel and, um, you know, I learned something through clothing, you know, how to just manufacture and, um, I'm very creative, like I build a boutique-style motorcycle so that the left side of my brain is being scratched because I'm constantly thinking how I can build a 60s or 70s period-style race bike or chopper or whatever you want to call it or whatever I might mm -hmm. be thinking at the time. But it's just very, very creative, which um, 
we need. You know, musicians usually move on to something that's creative, and I found the ultimate creative playground. But um, for the past four years, I've been trying to find guys my age that want to play, and I've slowly gotten back all my gear, and I finally, I finally have a band. Uh, we're called Drag News, and uh, we're all the same age. Um, some my bass player was in in a, one of the bands that I mentioned early that was a sister band of Plexi, and uh, I mean it's he's ten bass players later, and we have a, um, a drummer that uh, you know great drummer he played with Queens and Lanigan also and the Miracle Workers and you know um, Brian owns a music placement company. Um, so music has become an upfront thing in my life again. Um, so like Michael was saying that, you know, everyone's making records. Well, you know, we're making a record and, you know, we'll release it ourselves. You know, Brian with the music placement company has the avenue to, to, uh, to release it. And, uh, so that's what we're doing. And at the end of the day, you know, like I said, the acclaim doesn't necessarily matter. It's just, it's just doing it again. I mean, I feel like, yeah. I feel like I've shaved 15 years off my life, you know, because I'm playing again with guys my age that want to play, and we sound like, we sound, we sound like, a, I mean, we're just a bunch of old kids now. I mean, you know, we're still mm -hmm. playing loud. I've finally gotten a couple smaller amps. You know, I play through combos instead of full, you know, half stacks. You know. Yeah, so I got a basement and a, uh, an old '70s Marshall 50 watt combo, uh, small box. It looks like a blues breaker, but it's, uh, it's a gold face. Got the Echoplex fired up again. I got three of them again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Keyboards back. in the corner. Keyboards in the corner waiting to come out, and uh, you know, so that that wall of sound is <clears throat> is alive again, and. Uh, I'm playing with a bass player that saw it happen with Plexi, so he, you know, not that we're trying to be like Plexi at all, but he just understands where I'm coming from, yeah. and uh, we're into the same kind of music, you know. Uh, so you guys got a record done, or close to being done, or? Yeah, we have a record almost being done. We're, I think we're just about hitting sequence and mastering <clears throat> right now. Um, it's, 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 I don't know, it's probably seven, seven songs, so it's not super, super full length, but it's, uh, it's a good length. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I'm really happy. I, I'll tell you, I tried to play with Michael Angelos so many times. I told him, you know, man, you know, come on, you know, you, we live this life, you know, mm -hmm. and. You're my singer. I'm your guitar player. Let's just play together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tried a couple times, but for some reason it didn't work out. Uh, so here we are with this, you know, cool. doing it now. Yeah. Well, as long as you're creating, you know, I mean, that's what it's all about. And, you know, people are going to hear it. And the cool thing about, you know, I think you touched on it earlier is that, uh, or maybe Michael A touched on it, is that, you know, you can get your music out there now and, and 
while the traditional you know record label structure doesn't exist it means that you have more control though you know and you can get the stuff out to pretty much anybody it's just a matter of letting them know it's there that's the tough part so um is it going to be out on you know itunes and widely distributed Uh, Brian, I think, so so check it out. So all these times I've been trying to form this band, I was the boss. And I don't make a good norm. I I hate it. Um, Mm -hmm. So looking for a bass player, uh, I called Brian, Brian Ray, and um, his music placement company is uh, called Beta Petrol. They, you know, they do music placement. He takes songs, puts them on soundtracks, commercials, whatever. So... I called him and I said, man, you want to play bass? He's like, fuck, I've always wanted to play with you. He came down one time in. He's like, you guys want to think about it? I'm like, dude, you're it. You got a car? <laughs> you know, can you get here? And um, uh, so he's, he, so I was just trying to hire a bass player, but I hired a, a boss because, mm-hmm. you know, two, three rehearsals later, he was making T-shirts. He was pushed us into the studio, picked two producers. We just recorded with Joe Cardamon from Icarus Line and Greg Gordon, who's a producer. And um, we did it at Joe Joe Cardamon's studio. And those are people that Brian works with all the time in his business with music placement. Um, so he orchestrated all that. Um, and, you know, we're mastering it. We're actually mastering it with an old-time master that uh, was we used... Uh, back you know in the time period we're covering and uh so it's it's really cool i I, he's the one that can answer that question better he knows a few um uh like the rolling blackouts like those kind of uh um uh tokyo electron like those kind of bands that are on on labels that he thinks Mm -hmm. we'll blend with so possibly maybe it'll go to one of those but if not um Brian has a label with a bunch of younger bands on it that are pretty cool and could possibly come out that. We're going to press vinyl. It'll definitely go on iTunes. Um, cool. And it might go further than that. We'll start, uh, you know, playing and doing our uh, doing our thing real soon. We've just been finishing writing and uh, um, doing the record. We wrote a lot of the songs kind of like in the studio. Um, mm-hmm. Brian was like, times because he just like booked the studio before we got the songs completed which was great because it just forced us to kind of handle it um and just uh, commit to the time and um so it's, it's it's wrapping up right now it's really exciting that the company that that i have the motorcycle company has a really huge scene um the motorcycles are really uh just a really huge following and uh mm-hmm. I travel a lot, go to New York and um, Japan, and uh, I take my bikes um, and do these invitational-type shows, you know, to show the bikes I built. It's a tremendous amount of press that goes along with it, um, with the, uh, you know, with the motorcycles. I've been doing pretty well at it, um, kind of, you know, a recognized builder, if you will, in a very cool scene, very similar to the scene that we're talking about, but just... Mm -hmm naked motorcycles um so we're trying to merge the two um we realize that we've got a built-in uh a place to to play and you know throw those parties like in the backyard we're gonna have a party here at the shop i believe at the end of the month and uh 
it'll be just full of bikers, you know. Very and just cool. but young bikers, not like not like old, you know. I mean, the Hell's Angels aren't going to show up. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> it's not going to be Altamont. No, <laughs> I mean it could be. I mean because you know, they still are still around. But I mean, there's just a whole a bike subculture that is happening. That's really neat. I mean, there's kids that are just building that, doing what I did when I was, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles and I was 19 years old. You know, I a 1974 shovelhead and I was driving it up and down the Sunset Strip because if you weren't in a rock and roll band, the girls didn't want anything to do with you. But if you had a 1974 shovelhead and you parked it out in front of the cat house, you weren't sure to throw a girl on it and take a girl yeah. whip up to Mulholland. And that's what I did. And there's a bunch of young kids doing that now, and they're great. I love them. I mean, you know, I, I'm a bit more of a feature builder, if you will, but I still I love hanging with uh, just the people that are into the scene, you know, just because they're, 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 they're what makes it pump, you know. They, yeah. they build their motorcycles. They don't have a million dollars to build their bikes, but they got a million dollars in heart, you know, and what mm -hmm. they put into it. And um, so we're going to give them some music. That's awesome. You I was going to ask if you were going to awesome. blend the two together because they seem to be from the same spirit, you know, the two, the two uh, sort of rock needs a home and it needs an audience. And there's this whole really cool uh, custom bike thing happening all over the place. And, you know, pretty sure yeah, those people don't want to listen to hip hop. So... Yeah, it's, and you know what? And it's funny because you know I feel old now because the kids are bringing up bands. I'm like, what? The, I don't even know who that is. But some of them, you know, I get in a car with this. I, I did it. We were in Arizona a couple weekends ago, and I, I jumped in a car with a couple kids after you know, <laughs> I call them kids being in a bar and you know and hanging out all night. And the guy gets in my car and looks at my iPhone, which is plugged into my car, and he starts rolling through it and he, you know, he pulls up Brian Jones' Tom Massacre and press play and I look over at him and I'm like, really? You know? And I'm like, this is my favorite record, man. And, you know, and he just keeps backing it up with, you know, rolling into Devo or whatever he keeps rolling into and, uh, you know, freedom of choice, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, or, or Adam Ant, you know, and, and so, you know, just like us, you know, you know, come on, I was listening to the Stooges. I mean, that shit was around, I was, I was born in 1969, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't, you know, you know, or Dead Boys, you know, I wasn't really part of that scene, but, you know, I got it after. So it's what they're doing, and it's it's cool. They just, it sounds like they just want something, you know, honest, you know, and real. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, hopefully God. we deliver that. And, uh, I, I think we do. And, uh, there's got to be some, there's got to be some big music revolution here coming here soon where where people are just gonna want something real. They're just gonna want a real person to sing, without you know, a vocoder over top of their voice and pitch correction and background vocals and dancers and all that bullshit. It's got to happen here sooner or later. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what we're thinking. I mean, you know what? It's the best time. I mean, the, the, the motorcycle industry has fallen on its face. You know, it did, I mean, we've gone from selling bikes for $60,000 to, mm -hmm. you know, it's just gone. That market is gone. And, um, you know, but, and a lot of guys stopped because they were in it for the money. Mm -hmm. But a lot of guys didn't because they, they're into it for life, you know. And it's like, it's what I love to do. I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I mean, doesn't one of you guys are into hot rods? I seem to remember hearing, you know, am I right? 
I'm well, into cars and motorcycles, yeah. I can't do a goddamn... I can't fix a goddamn thing, but I love buying them and looking at them. <laughs> and yeah, and I them. used to. Uh, I did, but I don't have a car anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm standing in my shop. I've been here the whole interview, and I'm just surrounded by a fleet of half-built dreams that they're like unfinished songs, you know, and... You know, uh, and, and, and motorcycles and cars. And even if I'm busted or broke, I walk in here and I still feel like I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I'm like, I can't believe that this is what I do. This is what I have the opportunity to do. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, it sounds corny, but they say you love what you do. You're never going to work a day in your life. Well, no, I love absolutely. what I do. Absolutely. You know, and, and, I, and I work very hard. So, you know, it's, there's... Um, you know, you can't, you know, take that thing too literally because, yeah, you know, doing what we love is very hard work. But, you know, at least at the end of the day when you're working, you know, you really did what you do. And I just, I told you guys, I uh, emailed Tim, you know, I heard your radio station and I was like, oh, shit, these guys are going to tear this record to pieces, you know. <laughs> you know well, kinda, Michael sounded like he's saying like this and the other guy was kind of trying to play guitar like that yeah. or whatever, but... At the, at the, but, you know, you guys, for lack of a better term, are critics. This is what you do. You listen to stuff, and you diagnose it, and you go, this is what I hear. This is what I think. It's my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I like listening to your stuff. There was a couple times when I was listening to shit, and I was like, no way. You know, it's not. You know, the, 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 uh, you know, the fucking, you know, Bark Market's fucking legendary. I listen to that thing all the time. It's so, you know, it was so ahead of its time or whatever, you know, what my yeah, opinion yeah. was. Um, but you know, at the end, you know, at the end of it, you know, it's just it's. Uh, I, I felt confident to come on because I think you can hear in the way that I talk about it that you know I love. I mean, it was it was a great, great, great time, a great part of our life, you know, and uh, it still is, and it shaped me. That's why I, I, I lost track. I mean, it shaped me. It, it shaped me in what I how I do kind of everything, you know, because mm-hmm. Norm taught us how to stay together and you can, you know, you can create something and <clears throat> apparel will fall away from it and <clears throat> these things can fall away from it. It's just like the great American dream. I mean, you know, Marshall made an amp, you know, Ford yeah. built a car, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, so there's <clears throat> all, all kinds of, uh, you know, things that, that we can do, you know? You, you learn a lot being in a band. <laughs> yeah. You learn a lot of different skills and uh, how to be resourceful and creative and you work your ass off and, you know, you learn how to market yourself and you learn all kinds of shit. So I, uh, it's definitely, it's cool to hear that um, you sort of are still doing that, but you've been able to sort of apply some of that stuff to your bike building and um, really branch out and offer even more um more of yourself, uh, you know, to the world and, um, you know, just continue doing this forever. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people who get and play music specifically and, and even maybe do art or whatever, think there's some sort of time frame of like, oh, I can only do this for so far. And then, you know, I have to have kids and basically, you know, go be an accountant or something. It's like, no, you can, if you think about it and plan it out, you can do it forever. Michael, Excuse me, I got something about that. Michael got into into film or commercials. I don't know exactly, you know, what he does, but you know, he gets paid well for what he does. He's good at it. He probably kind of hates it a little bit, but he hates everything a little bit. Um, 
know, Norm never stopped. Norm still plays drums today, just as much as he ever did. He still he is still the exact same guy that was in Plexi. He does jobs or moves debt from one credit card to the other because that's how he's going to get through the month until he goes on tour again. He's just like every other drummer. He plays in like 15 bands and. You know, he puts out he's put out record after record after record. You know, he uh, he's the one that got me into into Lanigan because um, he had gotten the drum gig and he suggested me. And on um, that tour, uh, Brett Metzen from Caustic Resin and Bill Spill was on that tour. It was amazing. It was just amazing. Eddie Nappy was on guitar. Um, the uh, but Norm did a record with. Uh, Troy, the guitar player from uh, Queens of the Stone Age, just after that tour, he uh, built a studio in his house, a recording studio. He was always good with cash. He started buying mics, and, um, board gear, and, and uh, you know, blah, 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 you know, guitar amplifiers, and turned his whole house into a recording studio. People go record there. He met a girl, thought she had a good voice. He decided he wanted a producer. He, you know, made a record. I went over there and played guitar on it for a second while I was retired. And he's like, sounds like Plexi. And I was like, that's kind of what I do, man. You know? Right. I don't know how to play guitar any other way, you know? Either I want to play metal really shitty or I want to be the Plexi guitar player. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so, and, you know, I mean, that's what he's up to, you know? He's right, he's gone to, you know, Germany and Europe and, uh, you know, a bunch of times been flown out there with uh, bands that are, uh, you know, that do well. These people that have a lot of money just want his bands out there, and they they fly him out just to do one gig, and they take care of them. And he's got a real soft spot for the ladies, and he can't stop talking enough about what they do and overseas over there and um, <laughs> all these beautiful friends he has, you know, and showing you pictures and. But he's never, 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 never stopped, ever. In fact, when I started playing again, he was my first phone call. I was like, dude. And he was like, what? And I go, oh, I'm playing again. And I just, I just wanted, you know, I was so stoked to have that music feeling inside me and doing something that I'm proud of and know that, you know, that I'm going to do something that is going to make him just go, fuck yeah. And I, so I just called him. And all I wanted to let him know I was playing. Uh, one of our close friends is Justin Warfield uh, from She Wants Revenge. He was around when we were playing. He'd come see our shows a lot, and he wasn't—he was in bands, but they weren't—he wasn't as big as he is now. Um, and uh, you know, he's still a friend and has been helpful. You know, lending me a reverb unit for vocals, or you know, powered monitor. Just you know, those people are in our lives. You know, and. Uh, so, you know, some of our friends, you know, some of our friends have made uh, a good good life of it. Norm's had some really good times. Justin, obviously from She Wants Revenge, Revenge has had some good runs at it. Um, the bass player that was playing with me and my girlfriend after Plexi, Scott Schreiner, ended up joining Weezer. And oh, yeah. I, was so, I was so mad at him when he did. I was like, you fucker, man. I gave you publishing money. You know, equal songwriting and all this, and uh, you're leaving like a month later to go, you know, play with Weezer. I was so mad, but you know, in hindsight, I'm so proud of him because he's still in the band. 
Like he's, yeah. he's a bass player. He's their bass player. He bought a house. You know, he has a wife. He has a kid. You know, and it's you know it's funny. But at the time, I was very protective of the little ACDC rock band that we had. That you know, I cut him in on thirty grand or whatever of our advance. You know, and uh, but you know, all that stuff's just. You know that's you know that's that's just just bullshit in in in, uh, in the long run, you know. Yeah. Right. So, well. Anyway, oh, go ahead. A couple of our other friends, since I mentioned them, friends is that, that went on to do pretty well is uh, uh, Carla Zar. Um, she plays in uh, Autolux and uh, John Alderetti. Uh, ended up joining Mars Volta, and uh, you know, and those you know, those still friends that, for me, are around, kind of like, you know, glad to hear him playing again, and always lending a hand. Like, you know, John's got a studio in his house. We've done some writing together from time to time. We had a little side band uh, when I was in Plaxi. Um, it was just kind of a joke. But Carla played drums, and John played bass. And I mean, they're they're really good star players. You know, it's just three of us, and it was a lot of fun. But you know, just so some people have really stuck with it and uh, made it happen. So I don't have any great expectations, and that's the best part of it. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Just gotta whatever. Just take a step, and whatever comes comes. As long as you're creating and feel good about it, that's that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Cool.
fuck 